We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Well, amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn, if you would, please, uh, to the book of the Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And then I would like for you to be uh, prepared to go with me to the book of 2 Kings. And I want to try to give you this psalm and then also share with you some of the historical perspective uh, behind this psalm, the occasion upon which it was written. And uh, I think that sheds much light into, uh, into the message of the psalm. But we're in Psalm 46. It's a familiar psalm. And so we read uh, this psalm, if you would read it with me. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 11 of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I'd like for you to look with me in verse number one. The Bible said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now I'd like for you to go with me to the book of 2 Kings. The 2 Kings in chapter number 19. 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse number three. In 2 Kings Chapter 19, the king, Hezekiah, has sent uh, to the prophet Isaiah to share with him, to, to inform him the words of uh, Rabshakeh, who was the uh, general, the commander of the Assyrian army uh, under the king of the Assyrians, who was Sennacherib. And... Hezekiah, when he sent message to uh, when he sent message to Isaiah the prophet, he says this in verse three. And they said unto him, "Thus saith Hezekiah, 
this day is a day of trouble. This day is a day of trouble. And I want to speak to you on this subject this evening, in the day of trouble. In the day of trouble. And it certainly was a day of trouble for the people of Jerusalem, for the people of Judah. If you look with me in 2 Kings chapter number 18, uh, we have we have the backdrop. The Bible says in verse 9, And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And then we notice in verse 13, Now in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria to Lachish, saying, I have offended, return from me, that which thou puttest on me will I bear. In other words, what, uh, what Hezekiah is saying here is, um, I will pay you off. I don't want war. I will, I will pay you off. Whatever taxes you want, whatever charge you have, I'm willing to pay it to avoid war. And so the Bible says in verse 15, uh, that, uh, well, in, in the close of verse 14, the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. And Hezekiah, in verse 15, gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. At that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria." So here we have the king, because of his fear of the Assyrians, who is giving of the treasures of the house of God. He's cutting gold off of the doors. He's taking the gold that overlays the pillars, and he's giving that uh, to the king of Assyria in order to purchase peace. But there will be no peace purchased. The king changes his mind, speaking of the king of the Assyrians. And so in verse 19... Rabshakeh, who is the general of uh, Sennacherib, the Assyrians, uh, he says this, he says, Speaking now to Hezekiah, thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this wherein thou trustest? See, they have come up now against Jerusalem, and there's an army. We're going to find out there's 185,000 men who are in this army. And Rabshakeh is surrounding the city. And he's calling out to the people in the city, and he's saying, surrender to the king, surrender to Sennacherib. And then he is challenging them, and he's saying to them, there is no God that has been able to deliver any other kingdom thus far. We've conquered every kingdom, we've overthrown every God, and therefore, uh, you cannot trust in your God. Your God does not have power to deliver you from Sennacherib. In verse number 36 of the 18th chapter, the Bible said, But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. Afterwards, then we read that uh, 
Hezekiah sent his messengers to Isaiah, telling them of the threat that had been made, saying to Isaiah, this day is a day of trouble. He receives a letter in chapter 14, a letter from Rabshakeh saying that uh, though there's been a delay in the attack, we're still coming after you and no God uh, can protect you. And so in verse 14, the Bible says, Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, for all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear, hear, open, Lord, thine eyes, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. And so what happens is Hezekiah is pouring his heart out to the Lord. Then in verse 20, Isaiah sends a message to Hezekiah, and essentially the message is this, I'm going to deliver you. And in verse number 35 of chapter number 19, the Bible says, And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So what happens? God sends an angel. The angel strikes the entire army dead. 185,000 soldiers that threatened the welfare of Judah are now dead. Why? Because God smote them. God delivered them. God heard the threatenings. He heard the, the, the vile reproaches of the Assyrians. He heard the heart of Hezekiah and the people of God as they poured out their hearts to him in the midst of their trouble. In the day of trouble, God heard their prayer and God delivered them. Look at verse number 36. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adramelech and Sherezer, his sons, smote him with the sword. And they escaped into the land of Armenia, and Ezrahadon, his son, reigned in his stead. So in other words, Sennacherib, is gone in just a moment. This powerful king with a powerful army took on a powerful God and he fell. And God's people, looking outside the walls of Jerusalem, surrounded by 185,000 uh, trained, mean, ruthless Assyrian soldiers, experienced the delivering hand of God when they woke up in the morning and they looked out from the walls and they said, they're all dead. They're all dead. You see, what we find here is that God, he hears us and God protects us in the day of trouble. Now, troubles come to us every day, don't they? They come to our lives in many forms, and they come to us in various times. We know what Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And we know that trouble is the product of sin. Uh, trouble is, is a result of the curse. It is the result 
of the fallen nature of man. Because we are sinners, because we live in a sin-cursed world, because we have a satanic foe, we experience trouble on a daily basis. There's trouble at home. There's trouble at work. There's trouble at church. I had a a text today uh, from a young man who said to me, please pray for my dad. Three of the deacons have turned against him, and they want him out. And they called a, a secret business meeting with the deacons to vote him out. But they didn't succeed, praise God. This is a good man, by the way. He's a good man. And they didn't succeed. And the one deacon said, well, if I can't get him out, I'm going to make him miserable till he quits. Now, imagine there's people like that that find, find their way into churches. You know that? The devil, he, he sows the tares among the wheat, doesn't he? And, and so there's trouble, trouble in, at home, trouble at work, trouble in the church, trouble in the world. We, we live in a world of trouble. We have troubles that come to us uh, at, in seasons. We have troubles that sometimes it seems to, to flood us and, and overwhelm us. Well, the people of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, well, they were in trouble. 185,000 soldiers camped outside the city, and they're waiting for the people just to starve to death and give up. They don't really have to attack, at least they think. There's some things that God has done for the people inside the city that the the army outside the city doesn't know about. And they're just waiting on them to starve to death and give in and give up and quit. And that's what the devil's doing, by the way. He's just trying to threaten us and encamp about us and, and surround us in the midst of troubles, just hoping that we'll just give up and give out and quit. And I want to encourage you tonight, don't give up, don't give out, and don't quit. Because God, our God, is a God who is our help, a very present help in the time of trouble. So I want to share some things about that tonight, and I pray that God will use it. The first thing we note in this psalm as we go back to it in Psalm 46 is that we are strengthened by the power of God. In our trouble, we are strengthened by the power of God. Now, we sang the song tonight about the power of Christ. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. Do you know the Bible tells us that while we were yet without strength, in due season Christ died for the ungodly? Do you know that we have no power in ourselves to stand? We're like the lame man who laid at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3. He had no strength in his legs and feet. He could not stand. He could not walk. But only when he received the Lord and only by faith when he was healed, he received that strength. And that's a picture of us, lost sinners. We, We have no way to get to God, no way to stand in his presence. No way to stand, no strength, no power in ourselves, no righteousness. But the Lord Jesus, who loves us, gave himself for us. And when we receive him as Savior, the life of God is imparted to us. And immediately, as his feet and ankle bones in Acts 3 receive strength, immediately you and I are born again. The Spirit of God comes to live within us. And we are strengthened by the power of God. Now, in the midst of our troubles, we find that God manifests himself when we look to him, and God will strengthen us. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, when you have trouble, 
the first thing that happens to us is we begin to fear. What, what's going to happen as a result of this trouble? And our mind races, doesn't it? And to the, to the myriad of, of possibilities of how this thing's going to work out. And it plays out in our minds, doesn't it? It plays out in our minds how this could potentially go wrong. And we can be gripped with fear. But I'm glad that in the midst of the attacks of the devil, in the midst of the troubles that I'm surrounded by, that I'm compassed with, I have a refuge. I have a shelter who can protect me. I grew up and went to elementary school in the 70s, all right? And some of you went there, not the same school, but that's when you were in elementary school. And I remember being a student at Green Hill Elementary, and we had a drill. And uh, that drill was to protect us in the event of uh, oftentimes of tornadoes. We would have tornado drills. But I remember one time uh, in particular where we were going to practice a drill uh, that if there was a nuclear attack, I imagine we thought we could hide behind the bricks of the school in the event of a nuclear attack. But I remember that very vividly and, the, and, and hearing about the Cold War and then hearing about people who had built bomb shelters to protect them against a, a nuclear attack. And typically those things are underground and they're reinforced with steel and concrete and, and uh, they'll be supplied with provisions. I want you to know we have a shelter better than that. God is our shelter. He's our refuge. David said he's the rock of my salvation. So God is our refuge and strength. He is our protection in the midst of trouble. Oftentimes when trouble comes to us, we think it's going to envelop us. It's going to take us over. It's going to take us down. It's going to finish us. But I want you to know that all the problems that you and I face, the Lord Jesus Christ has conquered. He's demonstrated his power. They're underneath his feet, and we're on the winning side. God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. So when Isaiah received the news from Hezekiah, this is a day of trouble, Isaiah tried to encourage Hezekiah that God is in control, that God is his shelter, that God is his protection. Though there's 185,000 Assyrian soldiers out there, though Satan is, 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 is threatening, though troubles and trials have come to us, know this, he said, God is able. God is able. And what did Isaiah do? He prayed unto the Lord. He, he cast his cares upon the Lord. And what happened? God gave him peace. God gave him a promise. The promise was, don't worry about, don't worry about Sennacherib. I'm going to take care of him. Don't worry about it. I've got this thing under my control. And the Bible tells me not only do I have protection in the midst of my trouble, but I have peace in the midst of my trouble. Look at verse 2. Therefore will not we fear. Now, I don't know if, if uh, Hezekiah slept well that night after he heard the news, but if he didn't, he should have. He should have because he had the promise of God. God told him, I'm going to take care of the situation. There's nothing to fear. 
Look in verse, well, let me just read it for you, 2 Kings 19 and verse 28. Because thy rage, this is the message of God against Sennacherib, because thy rage against me and thy tumult is come up into mine ears, therefore I will put my hook in thy nose and my bridle in thy lips. I will turn thee back by the way which thou camest. He's saying, look, I'm going to take care of this situation. This guy is nothing. He's intimidating you. This trouble seems big in your sight, but I want you to know in my sight, he's like a little fish, like a little animal. I'm going to put a hook in his nose, and I'm going to lead him away. And there should be peace. And the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, verse 6, that you and I, in the midst of our worries, the midst of our fears, should be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be afraid. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You see, things changed when Hezekiah prayed. Things changed. And verse number 7, here's the, here's the promise that accompanies that. When we pray, when we cast our cares upon Jesus, verse 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In the midst of the trouble, God gives peace. And that peace keeps our hearts and minds. Notice again in Psalm 46, therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. I mean, when all is chaos, when all is calamity all around you, God said, I will give you peace. And the people of God, when they look to God, can confidently and boldly say, we will not fear. So number one, we're strengthened by the power of God in the day of trouble. Number two, we're satisfied by the presence of God. We're satisfied by the presence of God. Look at verse 4. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the most holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Now, when Sennacherib sent Rabshakeh and the Assyrian army to surround Jerusalem, the thought was, they'll not be able to get any supplies in. Now, we, we know what people need to live on, right? You got to have something to eat and you got to have water. You got to have water. And, and, and the Bible speaks here of the fact that there is a river. There's a river. Now, what history tells us is that Hezekiah anticipated the attack of the Assyrians. And so he went up into the mountain. The spring of Gihon was flowing. And he built a conduit, a pipe. He had a pipe constructed that directed that stream down the mountain into the city of Jerusalem. And he built a wall to, to retain that water. And that water became a water source for the people inside the city. You see, the Assyrians are outside, and they're going, look, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to get thirsty pretty soon. They, they have no water. 
I mean, eventually they're going to give up the fight. And, you know, day after day, day after day, day after day, no supply trucks, no, no, no water bottles from Sam's, nothing. And no utility company, so they thought. These people aren't going to be able to make it long. But what they didn't realize is that there was a conduit, there was a pipe underneath the ground that they weren't aware of that was taking water into the city of Jerusalem. And the people were well supplied. And so the psalmist refers to this here in verse 4. There's a river. <laughs> There's a river the enemy didn't know about. The streams whereof shall make the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high. Can I say this to you this evening? You have a river that the enemy doesn't know about. He can't find it. He can't pollute it. He can't corrupt it. He can't turn the spigot off. Do you know why? Because it's within you. That's why. So how do you stay refreshed? Because you have the water within. Remember what Jesus said in John 7. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What, what's the source of that? That's the source of the Holy Spirit. He's the spring within us that imparts to us the water of life. John 14 and verse 13, Jesus said to the woman at the well, whosoever drinketh of this water, that's the water in the ground in Jacob's well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Let me tell you what trouble cannot do. It can't turn the spigot off. God is within you. His spirit is within you. He will quench the thirst of your soul. He will sustain you. He will satisfy you in the midst of trouble if you look to him. You see, we're satisfied by the presence of God. There's a river there. There's a river within. But then there's something else he says in verse 5. God is in the midst of her. What's he in the midst of? He's in the midst of the city of God. He's in the midst of the city. You see, Sennacherib didn't count on that either. He didn't know they had a river, and he didn't know they had a resident. And the resident was God. God was there. The temple of God was there. God was there. His presence was there among his people. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged. Remember when the Lord, he said to Sennacherib, he said, you rage against me. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. The other nations of the earth were, were moved. But God uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, we have a resident. We have someone who walks with us. We have someone who is among us. By the way, I just want to tell you whether you recognize it or not tonight, he is with us tonight. 
He inhabits the praises of his people. He walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He walks in the midst of his church. He walks in the midst of his people. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I want you to know that as you go through the trouble, as the enemy storms the gate, as he rages, God is residing in you. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So in the day of trouble, I need to recognize something. I am strengthened by the power of God. So I must look to him. I can run to him. And his peace will keep my heart and mind. I'm satisfied by the presence of God. There are waters, there's a river within me springing up into life everlasting, and the Lord Jesus himself is dwelling within me, and he will not allow me to be moved. Well, then thirdly, we come to this thought in verse 8. We are stilled. We are stilled by the providence of God. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. In other words, Selah, think about it. Think about this. In the day of trouble, there's something you need to think about. You need to think about the fact that you and I receive strength from the power of God. That's what holds us up. That's what protects us. That's where that peace comes from. We're satisfied in the presence of God, that river flowing and that resident dwelling within. And then we need to recognize and think about this, that we are stilled by the providence of God. Now, what happens to us when the enemy comes against us, when there's trials, when there's troubles? That word trouble means to be pressed into a a narrow place. You ever feel like things are coming at you from every angle and there's no way of escape? You're just getting hemmed in? That's the picture here with trouble. And what happens to us in the midst of the trouble is we start engaging the mind. And what do we do? We try to get out of it. We formulate a plan. We say, well, I can't just sit here. I've got to do something. Well, I'm telling you in this trouble, I think I, think I just need to do this. I, I just, I've just got to do this. You see, we just have to do something, don't we? Uh, when Jacob, when Jacob heard that Esau was coming, he said, "Lord," he prayed. He said, "God, uh, protect me from Esau. He was he was mad at me when I last saw him, and he wants to kill me. And he was right to be mad at me because I I swindled him. I swindled him out of the blessing. And before that, I manipulated him and took the birthright." And so he's mad, and he he knows I'm here, and he's coming after me, and he's probably going to kill me. But, God, I'm looking to you for deliverance. And do you know what Jacob did as soon as he got up and prayed? 
He said, okay, now let me figure out a way to cut my losses. So he divided his herds. Uh, well, he sent a gift over, first of all. He sent a gift. He says, well, when he comes, maybe I can pacify him. Here's a gift, all right? And then, you know, maybe when they get a quarter mile down the road, let's have another gift. And so let's just have gift after gift to pacify him. And then let me divide my herds and let me divide my flocks. So if he destroys one group, he won't get everything. And then let me get my sons and my daughters and let me divide them up by wife and, and so he doesn't kill my whole family. You see, here's what Jacob did. He decided to help God out. That's what Sarah did, right? Man, I can't have a baby. So, Abraham, have you thought about Hagar? You know, legally, legally, if you go into Hagar, the baby will be mine. I know God said he would give us a child, but it didn't happen. So let's try to figure this thing out. You see, that's what we do. In the midst of trouble, we try to figure it out. We get active. But there's no action that we can take that will deliver us from our trouble. The action has already been taken. It's been taken by the only one who can deliver us, the Lord himself. He has redeemed us from the curse of sin. He has redeemed us from the penalty of sin. He's redeemed us from the power of sin. He's given us a new nature. He's given unto us an inheritance eternal in the heavens that fadeth not away. And so we are told now to rest in him, to be still, verse 10, and know that I am God. Now look at verse eight. He tells us two things here. He says, first of all, come and behold. Stop what you're doing and just take a moment and see what I've done. In the midst of your trouble, it will always be a good thing to do to just stop and take note of what God's already done. Take note of what God's done in your life. Take note of what God has done in the lives of others. Take note of what God has said and the promises that he has made. Take note of the fact that he suffered and bled and died for your sin, that he rose again the third day, that he ascended into the heavens, that he promised that he's coming back. You take note of that. Take note of the fact that you belong to him. There was a day that you received Christ as your Savior. Take note of that. Take note of the promises that are in his word. Come and behold and see what God has done, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He has defeated all. All of our enemies, praise be unto God. You see, it looks like the Assyrians are in control, but they're not. God is. We're stilled, silent, stopped, quieted by the providence, the rule, the dominion, the authority of God. Who is on the throne? It's not Sennacherib. It's Jesus. It's not Satan. It's Jesus. It's not your boss at work. It's Jesus. It's not your neighbor. It's not that person that's giving you trouble. It's not that financial bill. It, it's not that health need. Jesus is on the throne. He is in control. And that's what God is reminding his people of here. 
Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. Verse 10, be still and know. Stop trying to figure it all out. Stop trying to deal with this trouble yourself and just trust me. Be still. Hezekiah said, let me see that letter. And he read it. And all its vile threatenings and cursing of God and high-sounding language. And Isaiah said, let's go pray. And he spread the letter before God. And he said, here's what this man has said about you. And God, we're looking to you. Would you deliver us? And God sent the message and said, I will. And we have to rest in that. We have to be still. We, we, we recognize that we can't solve all of this, but God can. And even if things befall us that we really don't want to befall us, what is the worst that can happen to us? We die and go to heaven. I can lose my family. I can lose my job. I can lose my home. Is God not able to restore all of that? Do those things mean more to us than God? Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Know who I am. You don't have to have things. You have me. And when you have me, you have all you need. That's what God is doing through this. He's trying to help the people of, of, of Israel to see, the, the, the Jews in Judah in Jerusalem to see that they have him. Now, they've already begun to turn away from him and, and worship other gods. That's already beginning to happen. In fact, it won't be long before the Babylonians carry away the people of Jerusalem. But God, once more, is dealing with them in love and mercy to give them an opportunity to repent. And by the way, the trouble that's come to you might be one more opportunity that God has given you to help you to stop, to help you to be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. He said, I want you to know who I am. I'm God. And then I want you to know what my plans are. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Sennacherib's not going to end me. Hey, listen, no political party is going to turn, is, is, going to, is going to remove God from the arena. Do you understand that? No political group, no nation, the Chinese government will not ex bring God to extinction. The Russian government will not bring God to extinction. The Lord says, he says, I will be exalted among the heathen. I'm going to make it known. I, my, I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. My plan is coming to pass just as I said it would. And we can trust God with those plans. By the way, do you know God has plans for your life? Jeremiah 29, verse 11. 
He said to those in captivity, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to see you through this. And God's made that promise to us. Then we see verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is a title for God. He's a military commander. He's a deliverer. Do you know that Jesus is a warrior? He came to this earth and he fought the devil. And he defeated him. He fought sin and defeated it. He fought death and he won the victory. He is the Lord of hosts. He is a mighty military commander. And there's a host of people following him. The Lord of hosts is with us, the most powerful force in the universe is with us and he's with you if you know him. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So be still. That's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to be still. It's hard to stay silent. You see, this thought here that we read of in verse 1, God is our refuge, means that we go to him in a quiet place, that we go to him quietly. If we're hiding, you remember when you used to play hide-and-seek? You don't make noise when you're playing hide-and-seek because you don't want anybody to hear you. We go to God quietly. We go to God in stillness in the midst of our trials. He is our strength. Are you looking to him for strength? Are you looking to him for protection? Look to Jesus. He satisfies us. He sustains us with that well of water. He is ever with us. The enemy doesn't count on that, but we have it. We have it. People thinking, well, how do they survive? I'll tell you how we survive, by the grace of God. And then we're stilled by his providence. We understand that he's in control. Do you know that when, when the enemy comes against us, when bad things befall us, God overrules in all of that. You remember what Joseph said to his brothers? Ye meant it unto evil. You, you tried to do me in. But God used the wrong that you did for good. You, you know that I don't, I, I don't mean to... I, this, uh, I'm using this as, a, as a, a form of expression, but God is always one step ahead of the devil. In fact, he's not one step ahead of the devil. He's infinitely beyond the devil. Satan thinks he has us. He schemes and manipulates and tempts us and tries us, and it looks like he's won the victory, but God is so far ahead of him, and God sees his plan and says, I know what he's doing, but I'm going to turn it around, and I'm going to use it for good, and God's using it for good in our lives. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, 
opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you and thank you once again for listening.